Good morning. We're going to be reading the whole of 2 John, which should be just on one page there. And it's on page 1232, 1232 in the Bibles in the seats in front of you. It's always helpful to keep it open. And being on one page, what could be easier? To John, the elder, to the lady chosen by God and to her children, whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all who know the truth because of the truth, which lives in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, will be with us in truth and love. It's given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. And now, dear lady, I'm not writing you a new command, but one we've had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you've heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what we've worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the son if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching don't take them into your house or welcome them anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work i have much to write to you but i do not want to use paper and ink instead i hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete the children of your sister who is chosen by god send their greetings. Thanks, Deb. G'day, everyone. Happy New Year. If I haven't seen you, spoken to you, Happy New Year. I hope it's a cracker for you. So you don't finish books, mate. You start them and... Is that what you said? I'm ruthless with books. I give them one chapter. If it hasn't captured me, I'm out. I'm out. But... This one captured me, actually, 13 verses, and you, we got to read the whole thing, so there you go. It is a great letter, it really is, but uh, let me pray and then we'll, we'll get into it. Uh, Heavenly Father, I just pray that, that now that uh, the cares and worries of the world and this morning and all that stuff will just melt away just for a moment uh, as we come before you and your word. Uh, that we might, as your people, and for those who are visiting, to, to, to see Jesus now in this time, to see him more clearly and to want to follow him more closely in our lives. And uh, I pray, Lord, that we, all of us, including myself, that we wouldn't leave this place the same, but we would be changed. Uh, for your glory and our joy, we pray. Amen. So my name's Pete, if I didn't say that. I don't think I did. Anyway, my name's Pete, and... Uh, Years ago, McDonald's ran a campaign. Some of you might remember this. I think I was eight. I think I was eight. Now, this is the campaign. If you could recite the full McDonald's menu, 
using this jingle, you'd win a free Big Mac. It's my secret shame, by the way, so Big Macs. And so what you'd have to do is you'd have to go to the counter. I thought, Big Mac, I'm going to give it a crack. And you'd have to say this, the full menu, all right? So you may not understand a word I say, but I'll go for it. So you'd have to go up. Everyone's around. You go up to the counter and you say, I'll have a Big Mac, quarter pounder, fillet of fish from Greece, as well as junior burger and cheeseburger, chicken McNuggets, six or 12, four delicious sauces and some golden French fries, smaller last drink, I'll have an orange juice, Coke, now make the Diet Coke, fairness, bright three kinds of shakes, cookies and three different sundaes, hot chocolate, fudge or caramel, and maybe strawberry, yeah, my favourite, maybe breakfast hash brown, English marmalade, strawberry jam or marmalade, sausage egg, bacon and egg, or maybe some hotcakes with some maple syrup. I love McDonald's, good times, great taste, and I get this all at one place. <laughs> if you could say it. <laughs> If you could see that, say that, free Big Mac. And as I said, it is my secret shame, and I, um, I do love one. And I, I actually ordered one the other day. The test cricket was on. What a time. And when the meal finally arrived, so I ordered it on delivery, it finally arrived. I opened the bag. Wrong meal. I could not believe it. Couldn't believe it. Osman Khawaja got out for a duck. I thought, what a day. Now this... Anyway, I, uh, I called up Brookvale McDonald's, and they were great. I got a refund immediately, and no worries at all. And she, I, said to, um, I said to the girl, look, I'll just pop down and grab the meal myself. And she said, you know, you could just eat what's in the bag. <laughs> I was like, I'd never considered that. And I'm just, I'm, I'm just not open-minded when it comes to McDonald's. Like, as I said, it's a Big Mac, and that's that. Every time, that's what I get. And I thought, you know what, it's a new year. 2024, uh, what's the worst that could happen? So I opened up the bag, and it's interesting what people order. So there was a hash brown, it was afternoon, anyway. There was a hash brown, and uh, medium chips, a strawberry shake. I thought that was a very interesting choice. And uh, a double quarter pounder with no pickles. And you know what? It wasn't bad. <laughs> it wasn't bad. And so... I was sitting there, I had the cricket on, I've got a quarter pounder in one hand, good times. It didn't kill me to be a little open-minded with my food. And then I've got my Bible in the other hand, and I'm reading to John. And in there, he says, yes, but it is a massive killer to be open-minded when it comes to our faith. So food is one thing, absolutely. Faith and doctrine is another thing. And it's serious stuff. And I don't know if you noticed it in the reading, but this is why John labours in verse 9. He says, anyone who runs ahead, all right, we'll talk more about this after, but anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in, or you could say stick to or hold tightly to the teaching about Christ, says the teaching of Christ, but it means the teaching about Christ, well, that person does not have God. These are full-on words. They really are. This is serious stuff, messing with doctrine. And so this is why John, he writes seriously to the church and warns the members of the church who are referred to in verse 1 as uh, the lady and her children. These are people who, who, uh, who don't take it seriously and mess with doctrine. He says, watch out for people who do this. And John was a loving guy. He really was. But this is something, he's just not sentimental about it. Uh, he's, he's quite serious about these things. And you'll feel that in this letter. And so in 2 John, it is the shortest letter in the New Testament. Shortest letter. And he's called the elder there in verse 1. And what he does in this letter is he shares, shares two things with his people. And so he shares welcome news 
and then he shares worrying news. And the welcome news, it's really easy to see. It's there in verse 4. Pastor John, that's what I'll call him. Pastor John says, it has given me great joy. It's given me great joy to find some. If you've got your, Bible, you've got your Bibles, you can highlight some. So it's given me great joy to find some of your children, i.e. your members, walking in the truth just as the Father commanded. So I've been a pastor now for about nine years, about nine years. A lot has changed about me. So I'm lighter on top. I'm a little bit more cuddly. I know that. Um, these days I tend to prov- I, 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 te- I prefer to propagate plants than pick up weights, for example. I, I like gardening more than I like going out late, that sort of stuff. And I, um, I sewed a button on our Duna cover last week. It felt amazing. <laughs> it was fantastic. And then, and then I found myself, I think the same day, I'm on YouTube and I'm researching how to restore my enamel cookware on a channel called Restoring Cookware with Debbie. And I was like, what is, who am I? Uh, look, a lot has changed, but I tell you, one thing hasn't. As a pastor, I, I'm still over the moon when I find my Christian family walking in the truth. It is a wonderful joy. Taking Jesus, taking the faith seriously. I love it. And so does John. And that's why he writes about it. And he's an older man at this point. So maybe 85 AD. We're not exactly sure. It's somewhere around there. But this, he might be an old man, but this is something that never gets old for him as a pastor. And you would have noticed there in verse 4, and I've highlighted it, uh, that he comes to this church. This is what he finds in the church. And this word find in the Greek, I don't usually do this, but it's an interesting word, is eureka. And I love that word. It, it reminds me, this is what Aussies were yelling out in 1851 in Bathurst when they're finding gold in the hills. All right? Eureka! This is what they find. And that is what John says here. Eureka! Now, he hadn't found gold, but he had found something that was and is far more valuable and eternal and beneficial, and that is God's people in the church living holy lives. Walking in the truth is the way he describes it. Now, this means that he's, he's found these people and they're, they're not just believing in something blindly. Like it's not just something they're holding on to quietly or uh, some, because it's the right thing to do culturally. This is why we, why we believe. No, he, he finds them believing in Jesus and they live like it. Changes their world. Belief impacts behaviour. It is a wonderful treasure. So you have forgiven people who are forgiving people. Or you have... Loved people become loving and very sensitive and considerate people. Or you, you have people who know they have a gentle and kind father, and so they themselves are more gentle and kind fathers or husbands yeah, or wives or, or, or mothers or friends. Walking means belief isn't... It's, we've just had Christmas. It's like belief isn't just like a bauble we hang on the Christmas tree. You know, it's out for a season, then it's packed away we come to church, it's out for church, but it's packed away when we get in the car. You probably know what I'm talking about. Walking in the truth means your Christian Christian belief is on display all the time, in the social, in the personal, in the private, in marriage, in parenting, work, school, all of it. And I just thought, what a perfect moment to ask, how am I going with that? How are you going with that? And God knows. He's very gracious, but he knows. 
I was sitting in the living room yesterday and we have these shutters on the north side of the house because it looks straight into our neighbour's place. And um, the shutters mean they can't see in. And I thought, ah, yeah, but God always sees in. You know, we can't pull down the blinds, we can't close the shutters on him. He sees, he knows what's going on, but he's very gracious. He's very gracious, but he does want his people walking faithfully. He really does. And that's why we see there at the end of verse 4, it's actually, he commands this stuff. Specifically in verse 5, that Deb read, he commands that we love one another. Uh, that is walking in the truth right there, that we love one another. Now, he's not, he's not talking about feelings necessarily or warm hugs or anything like that. I'm not saying that stuff's not important, but that's not what he's talking about here because according to verse 6, he gets very specific. Love for each other starts with your personal obedience to God. Your walk matters to this congregation because your personal walk with God, who you love, then spills over into the congregation in love for your church family. It's a radical thing, the way this works. And it is a wonderful thing, and it's an important thing, because John says, jumping to the second point now, but John says many deceivers. This is what's going to mitigate against that. It's because, or this has happened, many deceive, love one another because these people have come into the world, deceivers have gone into the world, i.e. people with wonky views are waiting around the world. And sometimes, you know, the way to describe it might be, and it can be like termites in timber, destroying, can destroy the church from the inside out before you know it all comes down. And so he's like, be careful. Be careful to be, you personally, to be solid, to be sold out, proactive people for Jesus. Your personal walk matters to this congregation. It really, really does. Now, I um, had the welcoming news, which is wonderful, and, and now he, he jumps over to this worrying news from verses 7 to 11. This is the second half, and this is where he finishes off the, the letter. I was... Um, re rewiring the lights on my boat over Christmas and the ocean's such a harsh environment that you've really got to seal your connections well and the wires well and I went to Whitworth's and I discovered this uh, electrical liquid tape uh, li liquid electrical tape has anyone used it before I know Bruce has yeah this is brilliant stuff right you paint it on hardens like rubber really easy to use it is brilliant stuff, but it is brutal stuff. And on the back, there's a massive label, poison. And it actually says this may cause cancer and reproductive issues. This is serious stuff. In other words, put on your mask. Put on your gloves. Be very careful when you're around this stuff. And I think you probably know where I'm going. Because this is essentially what John says in verses 7 to 11. It's like this massive warning label about deceivers who promote a poisonous version of Christianity. So be very careful. It's just a good reminder, this is why it's important to know your Bibles. It's like, it's like your safety equipment around this stuff. Yeah, you eat, if you eat your mum's bolognese every night, you know when somebody serves up a counterfeit, right? You do. This isn't Dolmio. What's the zucchini? What's that in there? You pick this stuff up. Right, same thing here, this little house church is being served this counterfeit Christianity and John smells it immediately. He smells it and he knows why it tastes funny. And you'll notice in verse 5, because he's very specific, he says it's because people have come and these people don't acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. Friends, that is a serious error. 
It is a serious error, and he's not talking about... So he's not talking about things that we can lovingly debate, and we should do this. So uh, whether it's baptism or spiritual gifts or who should and shouldn't preach in the church, all of these things that matter and that we can lovingly debate. No, he's talking about stuff that attacks the very heart of the Christian gospel, that Jesus Christ was both fully man and fully God. They both matter. And it matters that he was fully man because as a man, he was a perfect man who could be a substitute for imperfect man or imperfect men and women. That he could relate to us and save us as a perfect human substitute for us. This stuff is very, very important. And John's I think John's favourite meal is the Scriptures, and so he knows this stuff. He also knows that not everybody has a taste for it. Not everybody has a taste for the Scriptures. I don't know how long I can carry this analogy, but I'll keep going. All right? Which is why folks will say things like, you know, why not add a little bit of spice here, or let's chuck a little bit of salt there, let's, let's expand our Christian tastes as society dictates. It's called progressive Christianity which is essentially exactly what John is talking about. Adding to the spiritual soup of the scriptures, but it just ends up spoiling them. That's what happens. And so we need to be careful because it's not, it's not always obvious if, that we're being deceived. And now, I know that's a strong word, but it's the word he uses. It means they're crafty. It's not always obvious. Now, growing up, my neighbours... They are Peg and Jim, God rest them, wonderful people. They had this beautiful lawn, and my brother and I would look over at this lawn, and we wanted to play cricket on it. And it looked fertilised and green and soft and wonderful until we got the opportunity to actually run on it. It was covered in bindies. It was awful. It really, really was. Deceivers present something that looks good. It is a type of truth it's green and it's fertile when all it really is is like a lawn covered in bindies. It's no good. I had uh, someone chap on my door recently, and I'm always up for a chat. I am. And I, as I, we spoke, I thought, whoa, the deceit is almost untraceable. I, I do this for a living. I'm thinking it, it all looked good. And they spoke about Jesus and they talked about the kingdom and carried a Bible and it all looked great. And then they gave me a pamphlet. And so I took the pamphlet and I said, I'll have a read and I'll underline and all that. And I did. And what struck me was, it wasn't so much what was said about Jesus, it was what wasn't said about Jesus. It just, it wasn't clear to me. It was quite confusing. And cults, are, they're often not very clear about Jesus. But confessing Christians are very clear because the scriptures are very clear about Jesus who he is, who he was, fully God, fully man, the second person of the Trinity. And so verse 9, we've got this reminder to be careful. Anyone who runs ahead, so runs ahead, that's John's way of describing a progressive, someone who's moving on from or going around or over the top or under, going away from, someone who does not continue in the teaching of Christ, does not have God, but whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. Friend, if you haven't already, you will be, at some stage, you will be told to be more open-minded, to expand your tastes, to be more tolerant when it comes to the Scriptures. I'm not saying these things are necessarily bad things, by the way. 
But when it relates to the Scriptures, well, it's interesting what John has to say. The apostle of love. He is the, this is how he was known. He does not muck around. He has zero tolerance when it comes to messing with the teaching about Christ, about who he is. That's why he says, actually, in verse 10, this hits you in the center of the eyes. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, that is, the, te- the apostolic teaching that was passed on to them by the Lord Jesus, if anybody does not bring this teaching, do not take them into your house or welcome them. That's strong. And I guess what I hear him saying is we cannot be sentimental or careless about these things. Ah, oh, but they're so nice and, oh, you know, they mean well and, you know, come on, give them a... Give him a hearing. It, he's not saying it's okay to be rude. And he's not saying it's okay to slam doors in faces. He's not saying that you can't invite a Jehovah's Witness into your house and have cake and coffee. I did this recently. He's not saying that. If we just take a step back, you've got to, we think about the context. Back in verse 7, John says these people, whoever they are, they have gone out. That's the language used. So they've gone out like missionaries to convert It's very intentional, it's very deliberate. So they've gone out, and again, in the context, he is writing to a little little house church. He's writing from Ephesus to a little house church, and these missionaries might want to come into the little house church. That's why he's using this language about house. So when he says, don't take them into your house, what he's saying to the church and to the leadership is don't give them a pulpit or a platform in your church to spread the lie. That's what he's saying. There is a huge difference between giving love and hospitality, and we should do that. There's a huge difference between that and then giving or providing a place for, um, for them to work. So that, that's, what, that's what he's saying. Now, personally, I have uh, zero tolerance for a few things. In, in society, we have zero tolerance for a lot of things. Okay, you know, racism and anger and all these things that aren't helpful. Personally, I have zero tolerance for, um, give you a little insight into Peter Kerr, mixed Tupperware, zero tolerance. I have zero tolerance for people who try to persuade me that dogs are better than cats. Whoa. Yeah. And then John gives me another one. <laughs> Everyone disagrees with that, almost here. And John gives another one to add to the list. Zero tolerance when it comes to messing with the teaching about Jesus. I'm sure you get the point. Now, I love how at the end, in verse 12, he says, I've got lots to say, heaps more to say, but I don't want to use paper and ink. It's kind of intimate and personal. I I like that language. Instead, he wants to chat to them face to face. That's what he wants to do. And I, I do like that. This is the idea of having a coffee rather than shooting off an email. It's the idea of going for a walk with someone rather than flicking a text message or just calling on the phone. Like, this is relational stuff. And if I have said anything today that you would like to talk to me about, I would love to have a coffee with you. I would love to. I might even buy it. That'd be fantastic. You know, speaking of um, talking face-to-face, I think Thursday, Deb is going to be doing a Bible study on this. And when you're preaching, there's a lot of things that get left on the cutting room floor for timing and stuff like that and to care for you guys. And so Deb will be going through this in more detail. And so please, on Thursday... You can contact the church if you want to find out what time it is. Come along, that'd, that'd be wonderful. Be face-to-face. 
That would be good. And so John starts with this welcome news. I'm finishing now. The welcome news that people are living for Jesus. Friend, if you are here and you are not living for Jesus or you're finding it hard to live for Jesus, well, first, it's wonderful that you're here. It really is. And why don't you pray with me now? I just wrote down two lines on the screen. This little, really simple prayer. Pray it in your heart. I'm going to pray it from the front. You can pray it in your heart if you want to. Uh, Just have a quick read. It is welcome news when God's people live for Jesus. So let me pray this, and if you want to, you can say amen, pray it in your heart. Dear Father, it's 2024. I do want to get serious about my faith. Would you please, Father, would you please help me to walk more closely with Jesus? Amen. Simple prayer. God hears it, and I believe, I do believe immediately that God will answer that prayer for some people. The Spirit does business in people's lives, and that He might bring something to mind. Walk, walking more closely means you may feel convicted about something, like right now. And we praise God for that, because He is at work in you. God is on the case, so go with it, pray about it, and have a chat to someone. Have a chat to someone. It's just someone you trust. And I thought, actually, while someone's praying that prayer, it's quite possible that that prayer is being answered through somebody else in the church who's now feeling convicted to go and speak to someone. That might be God answering their prayer. So by all means, please, if God's prompting you, go and have a chat. Be loving, gentle, go with it. And so lastly, John shared some worrying news because he worries for his people. And I think... As pastors, we encourage you to read your Bibles, and I was encouraged to read my Bible, and you know, we encourage you to make growth group a priority in all of these things, because not to bug you, but because we worry for you, and we love you, and we care about you. And I remember the principal at my college saying, when I was doing my degree, saying, you'll wake up at 3 a.m. and be thinking about people. Well, that's what we do. And we pray for you, and we encourage you to be in the Word so that your palate becomes more refined and you become more solid and more strong as you grow in your faith and you can pick up when things are a bit funky and wonky. Uh, Bruce actually had some great ideas in his newsletter this week for Bible reading. So go check that out. There's some devotions that he's given you a link to. It's definitely worth a look. And if you want to grab a gospel, there's, I think we've got Luke still up the back. You can grab that, take it with you. To finish, and the band will come out, uh, for generations to strengthen the faith, the Christian faith against deceit, Christians have been reciting and singing and saying and celebrating creeds. That For generations, Christians have been doing this. And that's because, as we read in verse 7, and this happens even today, people do not acknowledge that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. Now, when we say these things and we sing these words, we're saying, oh, yes, he did. He absolutely did. His resurrection was real. This is something that's more challenged probably these days. But we believe it to be true and we believe that it matters. He lives and we will live too. We will follow him. This stuff does matter. It really does. And so, if you'd like to, um, we're going to sing the creed. So, please stand and the band are going to lead us.